And it's now time for the Billy C Show. Part of the BillyCBoxing.com network. Coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero. It's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're listening, whenever you're watching in, I hope watching in. <laughs> whenever you're watching in, whenever you're watching, I hope you're doing okay. Today's show is being brought to us in part by... Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com or give my man a call 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simons Island to get an authentic Italian meal. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by... Our 24-hour, seven-day-a-week television channel. That's right. You can check it out on all the uh, top streaming services. Just visit uh, GinecoUSA.com. That's G-I-N-I-K-O-U-S-A.com for all of the uh, platforms that it's on and signing up for a free uh, account. And also, uh, today's uh, show is being brought to us in part by of course, my book, Tom Molino from Bondage to Bettis Men on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. You can get a copy of this book right now uh, while you're listening to this very show. Just visit barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Amel. It's Amazon, Billy C. Amazon.com. And uh, get yourself a copy today. If you're looking to get a signed copy, just visit our website, billycboxing.com. And I'll click on the book or just uh, drop me an email, Billy at Talkin' Boxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G uh, dot com. Hey, don't forget if you're uh, watching the live show uh, right now, make sure you go to the uh, YouTube channel for the uh, best version that we have. And speaking of uh, the show today, um, listen, we're going to do uh, the first... Uh, I, we have the Super Chats, right? So we, what we got here is an authentic uh, Triple G Canelo uh, T-shirt that was given out um, at the uh, venues that did the closed circuit or whatever they call it uh, today. But um, this was at Sal's. We did this one at Sal's. Uh, this is from the first fight, Double um, XL, best uh, uh, Super Chat we can get between now and the first break. We'll uh, win that. So just log on to the uh, uh, YouTube channel for that. Uh, anyway, um, all right, before we get into the post-fight stuff, uh, some news uh, that has uh, kind of um, been around in, in, in the uh, uh, boxing world, uh, specifically for the uh, heavyweight division. Um, as we all know, we've been dreaming about the potential uh, matchup between Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder. Along the way, we got treated to uh, uh, a really good uh, fight. Actually, a couple of good fights uh, by Deontay Wilder. One against Luis Ortiz and one against uh, Tyson Fury. Uh, a lot of us uh, had hoped to see the Tyson Fury fight um, rematch, I should say. 
And, um, well, it looked like it was going to happen. And then a couple of weeks ago, uh, Tyson Fury uh, signed a, uh, a very uh, long, lucrative deal uh, with uh, uh, Top Rank. And along with that deal came, um, came uh, ESPN. Um, since then, now if you recall, the WBC had, uh, uh, the WBC had ordered the Dominic Brazil and the Dillian White fight um, because they had approved the immediate rematch between uh, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. Well, uh, because of um, uh, that particular deal now, because of the deal that um, Tyson Fury made with Top Rank and ESPN, the WBC issued a statement uh, earlier in the week, um, and it was basically mapping out the whole uh, history of what they were talking about with the heavyweight division going all the way back to November of 2017. Uh, And the bottom line is that they are now ordering uh, Dominic Brazil to fight uh, Deontay Wilder as his mandatory. Um, and as we all know, AJ is fighting Jarrell Big Baby Miller, and Dillian White and Dominic Brazil, uh, you know, were supposed to fight, so now Dillian White is, is out. Uh, my, my point of all of this, uh, jibber jabber, is um, Deontay Wilder, I, you know, I, I have said all along that he's made some poor decisions, or at least his team has advised him with some poor decisions on who to fight and for how much, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, after all, it's called prize fighting for a reason. Uh, these guys, uh, uh, you know, train hard and do what they got to do. And then uh, uh, eventually, you know, uh, hopefully they can, um, hopefully they can uh, uh, earn a title shot and, and make the money that they, that they long for. Well, I personally believe that Deontay Wilder has made some mistakes. He has walked away from a lot of money on the table, and I I understand the risks involved. Um, But as it unfolds, and with the deals now, with uh, uh, obviously uh, Anthony Joshua uh, signed to long-term deal with uh, DAZN uh, and, uh, you know, the money that he'll be making uh, through them, I mean, the man does not step in the ring for less than $20 million. Uh, and then now, now Tyson Fury with his own uh, big money deal with uh, ESPN and, and Top Rank, where does that leave Anthony, I mean, uh, Deontay Wilder? And a, and a fight against Dominic Brazil, they were talking about being uh, as a pay-per-view, okay, uh, which is ridiculous. Um, they only did 300 buys, uh, the Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder. So even if they match that, that's, again, not too lucrative. Um, but fear not, boys and girls, because rumor has it that Deontay Wilder's team is finally opening up the emails and returning calls to Eddie Hearn. Could this mean that Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder, that fight is closer than we think? In my opinion... Anthony Joshua was already set, signed, sealed, and delivered to fight uh, Jarrell Miller uh, in, uh, uh, in New York in a couple of months. Uh, Deontay Wilder has not signed to fight anyone. If I'm Deontay Wilder, I sign the paper. Get my fight set up for, for Anthony Joshua, which would be the next fight, 
and bypass Dominic Brazil. Why fight Dominic Brazil? That's not an easy fight for Deontay Wilder. I don't care if you're disagreeing with me right now and thinking that Dominic Brazil would be an easy fight for, for Deontay Wilder. It would not be. Dominic Brazil has, has demonstrated a granite chin. Now, his skill set may be limited, but he's got a granite chin, and he's got some pop. To me, it's all about risk versus reward. In my opinion, Deontay Wilder should sign the deal with, uh, with Eddie Hearn and fight Anthony Joshua after Anthony Joshua um, fights uh, Jarrell Miller. Uh, then he can work on Tyson Fury. Joining me right now with uh, sand still in his eyes uh, is my man uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. Forget about uh, Daylight Savings, did you, Sal? I forgot about everything, man. How you doing? Not too bad, not too bad. What's your thoughts on the possibility of uh, uh, Deontay Wilder uh, signing with uh, 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 Eddie Hearn and DeZone and possibly fighting uh, AJ after AJ fights Miller? I think it's great. I mean, you and I started talking about this fight years ago. And, uh, you know, it was an ebb and flow of, of coming close and not happening and then back and forth but if this is going to be a way to get these two guys in the ring uh i think it's fantastic and uh you know it definitely sign signify this this 2019 year of boxing with us with a with a bang no pun intended but um i think it's fantastic and you know i, I it's funny how these things come become available one day they're dead the next day is resurrected but that's the fight game and uh you know i think it's it's a great opportunity and you know i often wonder you know what what his cash flow and future looks like when we saw the opportunity when he turned down that first uh first offer 15 million or so and uh can he make it up well he's got to sign these contracts now because he's not getting any younger and uh this is the best way to uh, fill the bank and to uh, to give him what he ultimately wants is a, a unified heavyweight championship of the world. Well, the bottom line is this: he's out of options, bro. I mean, I mean, you know, yeah. he he followed he followed the the wrong, um, in my opinion, the wrong path, as was laid out by his his management. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you, you do one of two things in this sport: you seek in history, glory. Uh, or you're seeking money, or you're seeking a little bit of both. Uh, and if that's the case, uh, he's uh, putting the brakes on, on all of above uh, by being the odd man out. We talked about it last week, and it clearly uh, uh, clearly seems to me that he would be the odd man out, uh, especially when Tyson Fury's got a, a long-term deal wrapped up, and uh, so does Anthony Joshua. Uh, they don't need Deontay Wilder. They have each other. They have any other fighter, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. But first, let's get to uh, some of the fights last night. Uh, Sean Porter uh, retained his WBA welterweight title uh, via a split decision in what I thought was an extremely entertaining fight against uh, Jordinus uh, Ugas, uh, who... Uh, uh, drops to uh, 23 and four with 11 knockouts. Uh, Sean Porter improved improved to 30 wins, two losses, and a draw. The way the judges saw it, kind of crazy. 117-111. Uh, one judge had it for you guys. Uh, one judge had it 116-112 for Porter, and the third judge 
had it the way I scored it, 115-113 uh, for Porter. Now, I thought Porter won this fight, but it was an extremely close fight. I scored it 115-113 for Porter, uh, but this fight uh, could have been scored the same way for Ugas, or it could have even been uh, a draw. I don't see this fight any other way. I, I don't see it being 117-111 for Ugas, and I certainly don't see it even being 116-112 um, for either fighter. I, I think that the solid score here was 115-113. It was a hard fight to score. Um, I thought that that was reasonable. I thought that Ugas landed some hard shots. I thought Sean Porter, you know, he started out in this fight looking... Uh, uh, looking uh, different, you know, moving around. I was saying, oh, wow, he's got some footwork. Oh, he's doing this, he's doing that. And uh, I, I just thought that he should have went into his old attack mode. He risked losing this fight. Sal, what were your thoughts? Well, I think, you know, you're, you're right. I mean, you, you look at what has made him who he is. The guy's a warrior. He's not afraid of, of, of uh, exchanging. And uh, he's always in the pocket. He's throwing bombs. He's throwing this. He's throwing that. And sometimes they're like scud missiles, but that's the fury of that's that's the that's the style. He, he overwhelms you with 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 the punches coming from bunches all over the place, and uh, he showed a different style, a different side. And you know, it 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 almost cost him the fight. Uh, fortunately, uh, it didn't. But uh, you know, I think he's got to reassess if there's a rematch or for his next fight, what he wants to do. I mean, he he built a successful career on his style where he just throws punches and bunches and overwhelms your opponent you come in the fight you're conditioned you're ready to go bell to bell for for as many rounds you need and uh no he uh as you said it was a different different fight for him different style fight for him and i i don't know if he should really uh uh um try to establish a change at this point of his career well i could see them mixing up hey listen i want to uh, we got a uh a uh uh, what did I call Super <laughs> group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. We got. Thank you, Sal. I was like, ah, what did I call it? Well, super chat. Yeah, you did. Uh, 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 Sal saves the day. We got a super chat from my man Joel. He's asking us. Uh, well, I, I tell you what. I, I'm going to combine his two super chats and and call that a bid for our official Triple G uh, Canelo T-shirt that was uh, uh, given to the. Uh, facility we watched that first fight at and that was uh, Sal's uh, restaurant so uh, Joel's, Joel's got uh, the first bid on that one and uh, we'll see if we get any others uh, by the first break if not I'll get it to Joel but uh, uh, he also wanted to know if we were ever going to do a post fight again soon you know since we're doing the shows now um, on uh, the day after it, we're able to do multiple post fights so uh, you know f like today we're going to talk uh, about the two big fights uh, that took place last night. So it seems to be working for us. Uh, but thanks for the uh, super chats. Uh, at the end of the fight, Sean Porter said, hey, the crowd was expecting a big brawl, but that's not the way this fight needed to go tonight. Uh, he said that style that we used left the fight close. We got the win. We're still a champ, and we're looking forward to what's next. The weight cut uh, didn't affect me at all. In case you guys missed it, he was came in, uh, I think, uh, almost a pound and a half over and eventually uh, lost it in time. He says, uh, I was on my toes all night. Uh, I was very focused the entire fight. I was just listening to my corner. You know, maybe so. Maybe all of that was so. 
but although I liked his uh, the addition of the movement that he was using, I, I kept thinking he was going to go into attack mode at some point, and I think he should definitely do that in the future. Otherwise, he's not going to have his title long. No discredit to you guys because I happen to really like this kid. Uh, but I thought that this game plan to make the fight close does not make sense. Um, I, 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 listen, it's good to have that uh, mixture to, to keep an opponent off their toes, Sal. Uh, but this clearly wasn't his strength. I think that he needed to unleash at some point. He let this fight get too close. Or uh, maybe Ugas has just gotten that much better. I don't know if you guys got that much better, but uh, yeah, I, I, I could see him trying to show us a different side of Sean Porter and going in there on his toes and stuff. But like you said, maybe show us three rounds of that and then go into attack mode and give us what uh, what made your career happen and put you where you are. And, uh, you know, change it up a little bit. You know, maybe three rounds here, three rounds there. No, I know. Yeah. Uh, um... Uh, anyway, a win's a win. Uh, you know, like I said, I scored at 115-113 for Porter. We'll talk more uh, with Dax and uh, Alex a little bit later on that. Um, in, a, in a welterweight fight on that card, uh, Abel Ramos improved to 24-3 with a couple of draws when he uh, uh, won a decision uh, over uh, Francisco Santana, who drops a 25-7-1 in their welterweight fight. The way the judges scored it, 98-92-97. Uh, 92 and 95-94 uh, given uh, Ramos the unanimous decision win you know I didn't think much of this fight to be honest with you uh, but uh, what I did make an observation is that this particular fight featured two uh, two welterweights that seemingly are, are were battling for um, you know a shot at one of these top welterweights um the problem is is that guys like pacquiao and even sean porter thurman spence even mikey garcia even though he hasn't fought the spence fight yet all of those guys are, are way uh, out of the league of uh, abel ramos for example I, I i think these types of fighters the abel ramoses uh and the uh francisco santana's need to fight each other more often um, then the guy that rises to the top in that level they're the ones that should fight uh, the upper echelon it'll create more of the upper echelon fighters thus giving us better more competitive fights now again I'm not knocking the welterweight fight between uh, Porter and Ugas because I thought it was uh, really good but this just it, it, it shows uh, what where the problem really lies you know I mean we could blame it on the top guys all the time but the truth of the matter is, is they get sucked into these uh, uh, mandatories and stuff but um, in any event Sal the fight that really impressed me the most I mean aside from the Porter because I really enjoyed Porter you guys on this particular card was the undefeated heavyweight uh, Effie Agjaba, uh, Ajagba I'm sorry who improved to 9-0 and uh, after beating a snot out of Amir Mansour, uh, who uh, had a stop in between rounds um, before, uh, right at the end of the second round, uh, Mansour drops to 23-4-1. and one. Uh, Now, granted, Mansour is 20, 46 years old, but he's a tough guy, and to watch him get uh, destroyed as quickly as he did by, by Ag Jabba uh, really impressed me. 
Um, did you get a chance to see this fight? Yeah, I, I, I did. I saw a little bit of it, and uh, certainly the stoppage. And, uh, you know, Mansoor, he's been there. He's a warrior. He's been there a long time. And uh, he's been taking some real big shots. And this was the one that uh, just had him exiting a little sooner. And uh, this young guy, I think we've got to keep our eyes on him. He's a tough kid. And, uh, you know, he's young in his career. He's only 10 fights in. But, uh, you know, he's promising. And we'll see what he could do the next time out. You're, you're so right, Sal. We need to keep an eye on this kid. He turned pro in July of 2017. Um, so it's not even two years as a pro yet. Uh, so it'd be obviously two years in July of this year. Six foot five, 240 pounds. He's only 24 years old. He's already ranked in the top 50 in the heavyweight division at number 42. He's probably going to move up after the, after this win. He's 9-0 and with eight knockouts. The only reason why he doesn't have nine knockouts because uh, one of the fights was a, uh, a DQ win over Curtis Harper uh, in August of last year. He, he's, uh, his, like I said, 9-0 and with eight knockouts. His uh, combined record of his opponent, Sal, in less than 10 fights, 79 wins, 22 losses and five draws. You know, typically in today's sport of boxing, specifically in the heavyweight division, you never see a guy go to nine or ten and zero uh, by fighting guy by fighting a combined um, opponent record uh, with substantial wins over losses. As a matter of fact, most of his wins are over fighters. Uh, with winning records, I think I think they all are. As a matter of fact, so he, I mean, his pro debut was against a, a a six and one guy, you know. So, um, definitely, 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 uh, a guy to uh, to watch. Another fight I want to talk about real quick um, over on I think it was on the uh, uh, Daz uh, the Network. Uh, Dimitri Bivol improved to sixteen and over eleven knockouts, retaining his belt. Uh, with a uh, 12-round unanimous decision over Joe Smith Jr. Uh, in Verona, New York. 118-110, uh, and two of the judge had it at the same, 119-109. Um, it was an exciting fight to a degree. Uh, Bivol uh, just is so much better than Smith. However, Smith uh, landed a, a couple of shots, um, one uh, uh, right at the bell or maybe slightly after. That stunned Bivol. Uh, he staggered back to his corner and was not the same. I believe uh, that was uh, at the end of the 10th round because the 11th round, uh, Bivol just kept his distance and uh, Smith just went after him with reckless abandon and uh, wasn't able to, to stop him. Uh, and by the 12th round, it was Smith who seemed to run out of gas. Uh, interesting fight. Uh, did you get to see it? you have any thoughts on this one, Sal? Uh, I, I saw the highlights of it and I'll tell you what. Smith is a good, tough fighter. I know, and I know that uh, coaches, uh, coaches pal, and uh, I think that uh, you know he he uh, he's done a lot for where he came from. As we noted years ago, he's a lunch pail kind of guy, and he had some good opportunities. And uh, you know, last night was another good opportunity. And unfortunately, after he did hurt uh, Bibble with the one shot, he wasn't able to capitalize on it even though he tried uh by by almost uh exhausting his punches in the following round but uh you know it is what he is it is what it is and uh i think he's a good gamer he's a competitive guy he's a fighter 
and uh, I think he's got some good, good, good paydays and good uh, fights ahead of him. Um, I this Bivol, you know, I I think it's more. It showed me last night against Smith. Um, he's too small. I, it's it, Bivol should go to super middleweight. Uh, you know, I mean, he he can dominate light heavyweight and he can dominate super middleweight. I, I just, you know, um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, watching him get rocked, no disrespect to Smith because he is a power puncher. I'm saying to myself, you know, he just doesn't, he's just not, he, he seems so much smaller. Smith seems so much bigger than him. But uh, yeah. uh, interesting fight. Uh, Maurice Hooker improved to 26-0 and with three draws, uh, retaining his uh, uh, WBO junior welterweight belt with a 12-round decision over uh, Miguel Lesperi, who loses for the first time in his fight uh, career, 21-1-1 now. Um, also, uh, Callum Johnson uh, beat the snot out of Shawnee Monahan um, at 23 seconds of the third round. Uh, this particular fight um, was uh, was not too competitive at all. Um, Johnson is now uh, 18 and one, and uh, uh, Monahan, who's no spring chicken, he drops to 29 and three. But uh, he was a local sensation. You know, he gets up onto the big stage and fights uh, that next level, and he's just not competitive. Uh, this is a guy that should consider uh, maybe hanging him up. Uh, he he took a severe beating. They shouldn't have even let it go the way it did, uh, to be honest with you. Um, also, uh, on that card in the heavyweight division, Sergi uh, Kuzman improved to 15-0. and 0. Uh, when he beat uh, Joey Dewedgeko, who drops to 19 wins, seven losses, and four draws, uh, 96-94 twice. One judge had it, 95-95. Dewedgeko's a tough kid. Um, you know, I just think that if he would lose some weight, he would be much more effective uh, in the cruiserweight division. But obviously, uh, uh, money does the talk in there, Sal. Uh, one last thing I wanted to uh, mention. Um, in the light heavyweight division, Kid out of Brooklyn, uh, Junior uh, Yaunin, um, he beat uh, Derek uh, Findlay in a six-round decision. Uh, he's 15-0 and 0 now with a draw, uh, Yonin is. And Findlay, you know, he drops to 30 wins, 25 losses, and one draw. Uh, the way the judges scored it, uh, two out at 60-54, one had a 59-55. Why am I bringing this up? Well, you know, Yonin... Is a guy to keep an eye on, Sal, because uh, Derek Findlay is, although if you just look at his record, you think that he's not that good, but he is. He's a really good litmus test uh, for these young fighters, and I think Yaman, uh by beating him, uh, has earned uh, the right to at least keep a, a closer eye on him because uh, up, till, up to then, he really hasn't impressed me with the level of opposition. I, I, think, uh, I think it's time to keep an eye on him as well. Yeah, I think you're right, Bill. I think you're right. Clock has started. We'll uh, we'll definitely keep our eyes on him. Yeah, he's um, he just looks like uh, like uh, it, it, he's gonna you know blossom at some point. Um, really quickly before we take a break, and uh, it looks like uh, uh, it looks like my man Joel is gonna walk away with the official uh, Triple G and uh, Canelo fight number one that we watched at Sal's place T-shirt. Uh, with his super chats, but on Friday um, there was some fights on uh, ESPN Plus uh, in the afternoon. 
and uh, also in the light heavyweight division, which very well may see these two guys fight each other. Anthony Yard improves to 18-0 with 17 knockouts when he scored his 17th knockout over Travis Reeves uh, in the fifth round. Reeves drops to 17-4-2. and two. Uh, Also, Daniel Dubois uh, scored a uh, second-round knockout over Razvan Kajanu uh, to improve to 10-0 with nine knockouts. Kajandu was uh, was basically uh, laid out, could not get up, did not make the uh, ten count, um, and then there was a really exciting fight as well. Liam Williams improved to twenty wins, two losses, and a draw when he just destroyed Joe uh, Mullender uh, in uh, two rounds to retain his British title. Uh, Mullender, uh, the fight should have been stopped. The uh, referee let him get up, and then. Uh, uh, Williams came and just landed a, one shot, a, a, a right hand that just knocked him out. At the end of the fight, uh, it was interesting because Leon Williams went up to uh, the referee and said, man, you should have stopped that fight. You put this kid in danger. And uh, I thought he was right. I thought he was right. Did you get a chance to see that card at all, Sal? That show, no, I did not. That one, I did not. Yeah, that's those are two, uh, uh, you know, to watch Daniel Dubois uh, fight uh, Kajanu. Uh, was worth it, and also that Leon Williams fight, just to see, I mean, it wasn't a competitive fight, uh, but uh, but it was definitely worthwhile uh, to see on that. Um, speaking of Triple G, uh, some other quick news I'm going to mention. Triple G signed a deal with The uh, Zone. Uh, apparently, uh, it's a uh, six-fight deal over three years. Uh, Sal, we got to take a break, but before we let you go, you and I both kind of agree that Triple G might have two fights in him uh, left. Uh, Six-fight deal over three years. Do you see him fighting that many uh, fights, or do you think they're just going to give him uh, a couple of build-up fights and then possibly set up a trilogy against Canelo? Because remember, Canelo's on that network too now. Well, I'll tell you why, and that's probably the best scenario that could happen. Given uh, given him a couple of uh, 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 quick fights, easy fights, because uh, I'll, I'll tell you, Triple G, Warrior, great guy, gave us years and years of great fights, but uh, I don't think he's got six years or even three years. I think he's got maybe two years and maybe maybe two or three good fights in him. Yeah, they said they said they said six fights in three years. So they're talking about two fights a year. I don't think, you know, if they do that, and I guess it's the money that, uh, you know, Triple G couldn't turn down. But if they do that and, you know, they, they make him fight, uh, you know, five fights in, in two and a half years and then set up the sixth fight to be the trilogy fight against Canelo, um, that's him being what thirty six, uh, thirty nine years old. He's thirty six now, I think. So thirty nine. Yeah. But also, I'll tell you what, and that'll be an older Canelo too. And we don't know what's going to happen in between with Canelo's because Canelo's going to have all aces gunning after him. Man. But Canelo's going to be—he'll be thirty. You know, yep. he seems like he's been around. But anyway, listen, we're going to. Uh, I just wanted one last time. Congratulations to Joel. Uh, he's won the uh, uh, with the biggest super chat. He's got the official Triple G uh, Canelo first fight uh, shirt that we got from uh, uh, Sal's place when when we did the event there. So congratulations to Joel. Joel, you're gonna have to drop me an email 
so we can uh, send this to you, get your address and all that happy stuff. So uh, congratulations to Joel. Listen, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're scheduled to have Dax Khan join us. So uh, uh, don't, uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. Uh, don't forget, check us out 24 hours a day, seven days a week on our uh, Billy C. Boxing TV channel. That's right. Just go to Ginnico USA uh, for all the information. We're on all the major streaming services, so uh, check it out. Ginnico, G-I-N-I-K-O, USA.com. Sign up today. It's for free. One other thing I want to mention, Super Chat's open now for an official uh, Talk of Boxing with Billy C. t-shirt. Um, we will uh, un- take the, the biggest Super Chat after our next break, after our next break. So you got you got some time to battle out there, so we'll keep an eye on that. Speaking of battling, uh, joining us right now, uh, my main man, uh, Dax Khan. Good morning, Dax. Hey, how's everybody today? Not too bad, my man, not too bad. Uh, first, before we get started with... Uh, uh, some of the post-fight stuff. I, I, I got to ask you your opinion uh, on the latest with uh, Deontay Wilder. And if you think that you see what I see, I, you know, we all talked about last week how Deontay Wilder uh, seemingly is the odd man out. We have uh, Anthony Joshua with his long-term deal with DAZN. And, of course, uh, the announcement a couple of weeks ago about Tyson Fury and uh, ESPN slash top rank. And it just seemed like Deontay Wilder was the odd man out, especially when the WBC announced that his next mandatory against Dominic Brazil. And then we find it was going to be a pay-per-view. I'm saying to myself, how much money will that fight draw? Well, rumor has it that he's uh, starting to answer his phone and emails uh, to Eddie Hearn. And um, he may be signing with them. What's your thoughts on a move like that, Dax? I think that's great for Wilder. um, You know, I've said it before many times that Deontay Wilder, if he had the right push behind him, he'd be a megastar. I mean, he's he's the American, you know, he's the only American world cha- uh, heavyweight champion. He's an uh, exciting fighter. He delivers knockouts. He's just unfortunately had the wrong people behind him all this time. And signing with the zone, again, you're the world heavyweight champion, or in his case, one of the world heavyweight champions. And that's how he gets your exposure around the world. Deontay Wilder, um, you know, it's going to uh, raise his profile. It's going to... Uh, raise his his net worth and it's going to be good for the sport overall and we're going to get the fights that we want to see so you know I, actually, I hope it does happen yeah you know i i tell you something you you said this a, a while ago and although i agreed with the technology part of the zone you you called it a long time ago you you made references to it's a world sport this type of streaming service you know brings the world to to your living room etc and, and my biggest question, which I, I thought at the time um, was different than yours, was I didn't think that they would 
give us the big fights. I thought that they would, you know, basically gobble up all this talent and then do the similar thing that that seemingly goes on with the PBC. But I'm starting to realize, I hate to say this, and it's really hard to get these words out of my mouth, Dax, but but you were right, Dax, and, and, and I was wrong because I'm seeing quality fights on the zone. And as a matter of fact, although I was critical in the beginning stages of it, they're putting on solid events now. I enjoy. I look forward to watching the, the zone events. What, what's your thoughts on that? Well, the um, the whole you know, the pay per view thing. First of all, if you have access, if the world has access to something, you're going to get worldwide subscribers. What hurts the sport, no matter what sport it is, but you know, in something like boxing, what hurts it is you only have certain fighters on certain networks and those networks are only available in certain countries when things become available worldwide obviously you're going to get a bigger audience the money is going to be there for this uh from the streaming around the world so you don't have to try and generate this pay-per-view money there's still going to be pay-per-views don't make a mistake on that but it's not this constant pay-per-views they're not forever trying to you know suck every last dollar out of every event and they're not sitting there and they're sacrificing uh quality over quantity you know, in, t- in terms of the zone, you know, as second of all, one other thing that I've said a long time ago and people have laughed about me, you, yourself, whether or not it was here, social media is, I said, Eddie Hearn is going to take this sport over by storm and you're seeing it one by one by one by one by one. Eddie Hearn is taking everybody because Eddie Hearn is doing things the old school way with a little bit of that new school technology. You know, Eddie Hearn is, t- uh, you know, he's old school boxing, but he's 2.0, if that makes any sense. And all these other young fighters are catching on to it because this era is the digital era, the online era, the internet era, however you want to put it. These fighters know it. They're capitalizing on it. They're taking advantage of it. The fans are taking advantage of it. The promoters are taking advantage of it. And in the end, and and you always hate this one, all credit has to go to Dana White because this is the model he used for the UFC. And the UFC, for a little short while right there, looked like it was actually, you know, going to surpass boxing. But now that boxing has jumped on board, you know, boxing, again, in my opinion, is once again that premier combat sport. And thanks to networks like The Zone, ESPN+, Plus, it's going to remain that way and it's going to continue growing. And these guys that aren't getting the exposure that should have are going to start getting that exposure. And we're going to have international stars once again, not a domestic star that should be fighting someplace else. You're going to have international stars. A world champion is once again going to be a world champion. Listen, I, I, I didn't want to get into this as much, but now we have to because it's such a great topic. Um, first of all, I, I agree with you about Eddie Hearn, but we saw in the in the in the past that when one promoter in a sense, controls the sport. It, it It's bad. I think it's you're right, except you put an asterisk next to it. And the reason why there's an asterisk is because the burden is going to fall on the zone. Eddie Hearn was smart enough to see it and align himself with the zone. The burden and, and the pressure is on them. They have to sell the subscribers in order to pay all, for all of the talent that they're that they're purchasing, and it's the same thing with with ESPN, and it's going to leave some of these, uh, you know, smaller streaming uh, platforms out, in, in, you know, in in the in the dust because, and and quite honestly, the cable companies might not be able to 
compete as well. And and as far as the comparison of Dana White, I think Dana White forced boxing to go the route they are because the one advantage Dana White has over boxing is that he saw this and not so much the uh, platform changes like uh, the internet and, and etc but more uh, as a league so his grip on the UFC came in a league format something boxing could never do at this stage if 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 there was a Dana White a uh, hundred years ago and set it up we wouldn't be uh, in the situation we are, but in any event, I, I'm I'm with you. I'm on the the zone uh, bandwagon. I think it's good. I think my point earlier was that they are making the big fight, so we're not seeing, you know, an a a clear A side and B side. Was my point. I like the competitive fights, which is ultimately bringing the sport back. Well, my point on that, Bill, was when you have so many top fighters and you have such a large fan base to please and you're not relying on whatever ratings for example HBO got or what rating did Showtime get how many views did they get when you have this constant stream of subscribers and that money flow already coming in it allows you to be more versatile it allows you to put on those better fights and when you already have these guys contracted to do a certain amount of fights without having to uh, negotiate every fight dollar for dollar you're able to sit there and put on those high quality fights because you're eliminating obstacles if you you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, that. yeah. You know, and that's what makes it so successful. Um, I know uh, we'll end it here because we don't want to get too deep into it, but I've talked about it before. The Zone, the company that owns The Zone, this isn't new to them. This is new. Again, why boxing has hurt so much is... Well, it's got to be an HBO fighter. It's got to be a Showtime fighter. It's got to be a PBC fighter on Fox. No, no, no. The Zone has this model down. They've done it with other sports for a long time. A lot of these TV networks that you're watching, that your kids watch on TV, are owned by the same company. The Zone knew what they were doing. They didn't jump in there blindly hoping this was going to succeed. They knew it was going to succeed. Yeah, but they it was still a risk. And the amount of money they're tossing around... I mean, let's be real. It's going to be hard to, to to keep up with that over, you know, long term is my point. But, you know, as long as they but, produce, hey, but, but if they produce the shows and they increase their subscribers, it all works out. You know what I mean? But, it, but international, Bill, just the math real quick. You get guys, Danny Jacobs, Andre, let's just say, all of a sudden, as soon as they jump in with the zone, they become starred, they get their title shots, they've been waiting around for it, they're getting the big fights. Now, all of a sudden, these guys are big draws in the UK. That's why I always stress, boxing is a global sport. Now, all of a sudden, you're not having to sit there and fight in a town where you're only known in one country and you can only draw in one place. Now you're the world champion. You can draw those seats in Germany. You can draw those seats in England. You can draw those seats in Japan as long as you have that exposure. And that's why the zone separates itself from the cable networks. Right, and right. And that's why it's going to be successful because you're a world champion. You're a world star. The sport forgets. We're not talking Mayweather. Where the world forgets. Mike Tyson was the last guy who was really internationally known. It doesn't matter where you go, Mike Tyson is a known fighter because of how he was marketed and promoted by Don King. And the zone is doing that, but they're just doing that more or less with a bigger spectrum of fighters, and they're doing it on a larger platform. Yeah, and what they're doing 
is they're they're making big fights. The fights that you're hearing about on the zone, even the smaller fights are big fights. Like for example, last night the Bivol fight. You know, I mean that wasn't a huge huge fight, but it was on the zone. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, anyway, let's talk a little about the fights before the time is up here. First and foremost, Sean Porter uh, retains his uh, belt last night by a split decision. Um, he came out uh, as a different Sean Porter. At first, I, I, I was impressed, but as the fight dragged on, uh, Dax, I, I thought it was hurting him. And to be honest with you, I scored the fight 115-113 for Porter, uh, but, uh, but I could very easily have scored it the same score for you guys, it's the only score I saw, 115-113 for either guy or a draw. I didn't see 116-112 and certainly not 117-111. What was your thoughts on the fight? I'm a big fan of Porter. I love his style, but and I had it same as you, but I had it for Ugas. Right. You know, last night somebody posted, you know, uh, you know, another boxing guy, a friend, a buddy of mine posted on there. He said, you know, he's talking to somebody right after the fight. He goes, and the guy said to him, now we know why Cubans are letting to America so Al Heyman can screw him on decisions. Um, you know, it just seems that Ugas did not get a fair shake over there. Sean Porter, he had weight issues. Um, he was dry even in the fifth round. He was fighting a style we're not accustomed to seeing him fighting. Um, he, I have to give him credit. He was a little bit more accurate with his punches. He was not swinging wild. But I just don't think that uh, Sean Porter came into that fight fully prepared. I think maybe they might have underestimated Ugas. So, you know, Sean Porter, he, he, it wasn't a robbery, but it certainly was not a very uh, good fight. And it certainly was not kind of fair to Ugas. And again, that type of decision, that type of selling is what really has hurt the sport. Nothing was fair on there. When you listen to those guys, the announcers talking, you'd act like Ugas was, you know, the, um, even Raymond Seaton, they had no idea, they didn't know much about him. How do you not know much about a guy that's got that many fights and he's fighting for a world title? He's been on several of the major networks, but you don't know much about him. That's, again, you know, so so it was just very frustrating. And fights like that, really, when once that happens, you know, I start losing interest in, you know, and guys himself, Sean Porter, I think he needs to rebuild and slim down a little bit uh, because, um, you know, not being able to make weight for a title fight, you know, that, that that's a bad sign. Well, he eventually uh, made it, but I, I definitely know what you're saying. But you make a great point. I, you know, it's almost like Sean Porter, they, they over-prepared. I, I know that sounds... Uh, weird because he came in uh overweight but it's like they over almost like they overthought their game plan and they stuck to it so much that it, he almost lost the fight and like i said earlier 115 113 for you guys i wouldn't argue with that score i i, I wouldn't argue with a draw I, I did not see 117 111 for you guys but i didn't see 116 112 for porter either it, it was a, a weird fight it was a weird game plan the comments after the fight, uh, you know, Sean Porter basically saying, you know, we did that. Uh, we wanted to show him something different. Uh, you know, we got the win. But I think it was too close. Uh, do you think an attacking Sean Porter would have had an easier night with Ugas, or are we not giving Ugas the credit we should be? No, we're not giving uh, Ugas the credit that we should. You know, the attacking Sean Porter is the guy we love, he's the exciting guy, but he's also, remember, the guy that makes for these ugly fights because he gets um, so so over uh, um, involved in the moment, so to speak. You know, he's not accurate. We spoke about that a lot of times. That's what cost him the Thurman fight. So I think more or less, 
That's what they meant by we were going through some changes. I just think they picked the wrong time and the wrong opponent to do that with. Maybe it should have been on a uh, different card against a lesser fighter, maybe uh, a non-title fight for him to try and do that and become accustomed to it because, like you said, it was very close. It was, you know, it was razor thin. He's lucky he kept his title. So, you know, um, we'll, we'll see what happens, you know. But if you watch, you do see Sean Porter uses his feet a lot. He uses his legs a lot. He boxed going backwards a lot. So that's, you know, that's kind of more or less the transition that they're going through. Yeah, oh, well, you you know, when you do that, you still got to remember to throw At the end of the day, you got to throw punches. Landed punches win your fights, you know what I mean? So. Well, I, I think, to be honest, Bill, not to cut you off, is that he realizes exactly what everybody else has been saying. And he has said it himself out there before, knowing that he's not that, you know, accurate sometimes. He's physically strong, but he's not the hardest puncher. And right now, that division, when you have an Errol Spence and you have a Terrence Crawford, you know, guys that are, you know, that are very accurate, very strong. Um, you have a Keith Thurman, who's very mobile uh, and very accurate with his punches. Sean Porter has to adjust a few, a uh, little bit to his style if he wants to be able to remain in there. Or else, you know, in this sport, Today, you know, one loss, two losses in a row, all of a sudden become the other guy, and that can happen really quickly, and I think Sean Porter's team is smart enough to recognize that. Well, the, the, the big negative for Sean Porter is he's with PBC, and they're running out of options. So, uh, you know, uh, Sean Porter's no spring chicken. A guy like him, I would think that the, he's looking for one or two more big, big money fights, and a performance like uh, that took place last night might might slow that down. That that's all. That's all. But uh, jump. Yeah, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie Hearn's writing checks. Yeah. Well, but Eddie Hearn's writing checks. Right. It's time for it's time for these guys to to realize that and get off this uh, uh, Al Heyman bandwagon because as good as Al Heyman was in the beginning, you know his stubbornness or just lack of knowledge. Um, has really put a lot of his fighters in in a uh, in a position where they're not going to cash in. They're just not. It, it, it's how it's funny how it how it kind of changed. Everybody went that route because the money was better. Now all of a sudden, there's far and few in between fights, and there's no money. It's weird. Yeah, but. I, well, leave it at this. You know, I can't really criticize Al Heyman that much on this. What is uh, the the sport went through a major change? You know, we had a lot of guys from one era leaving, and then we had this major influx of this these younger talented fighters all at one time. So it just, you know, it was timing. Maybe you know if this uh, influx of talent happened slower, it would have been a little bit different. But you know, Al Heyman had the right idea, but he didn't realize exactly how much he had going on, how much talent he had coming in, and how many guys he had to keep busy all the time. So. Um. I wanted to get your thoughts uh, as we wrap it up here already. Um, Dimitri Bivol, you've been on uh, you know, his bandwagon since day one. Uh, he had a fight with Joe Smith Jr. It didn't shock anybody that he, he dominated the way he did. Uh, but what did shock me, even though Joe Smith was, uh, is regarded as a, as a power puncher, he stunned uh, Bivol twice in that fight. Once was uh, either right at the bell well, right after the bell, and I thought Bivol was clearly still in trouble uh, that following round. I believe he was stunned after the 10th, and he, and he came out in the 11th, and he was on his bicycle and got his legs back under him, took him the whole round. Um, does, that, does that show us anything, or is it, does it lead uh, to you know, future game plans to go after him? Uh, to try to hurt him, or was Smith just the bombs away, you know, let's give him power credit? Well, number one, Bivol wasn't even looking at Smith when he got hit. Bivol thought the round was over. 
You can watch the fight a hundred times. You'll see Bibble thought the round was over. Joe Smith realized the round wasn't over and threw the punch. That's Bibble's fault. But again, Joe Smith is the big guy. People are saying, well, how is Joe Smith still in there? Joe Smith last night weighed 200 pounds. There's no way he didn't. Demetri Bibble's a small, light heavyweight. That's why he's been talking about moving down. So there's too much being made out of that punch. What should be made out of the fact is that Bibble, not only did he absorb that punch, but he went two more rounds, won those rounds, even when he was hurt, and he, he was smart enough to box and move and, you know, manage to work off his jab and still fend off Joe Smith Jr., who is not the most skilled guy because of the team around him, but gosh, does he hit hard, he's big, he has a lot of heart, and he never stops trying, and he was always there continuously in Dimitri Bibble's face. So that more or less speaks of the character of Bibble, and again, they have been very vocal about wanting to move down in weight. You know, Bibble says yesterday, and it's not the first time, I ate breakfast before my weigh-in. He's often seen drinking water before he gets onto the scale. So that tells you what a small guy he is to make 175 pounds. And on fight night, he's, uh, he's 176, 177 pounds on fight night. So that's, you know, the disadvantage. But Bibble, if you watch his footwork, the way he moves around, the way he uh, puts his punches together, you know, it, it's so very impressive. And Joe Smith Jr., I had to sit there and say, you know, he's so outclassed in terms of skill. But, man, this kid is really trying on his own. His corner's giving him horrible advice. They're telling him he's winning rounds where he's being dominated in. But, you know, he's trying to shoulder roll. He's trying to at least bait Bibble inside there. You know, Joe Smith Jr.'s a kid I'd like to see with a new team behind him. And if he didn't have to work full time, Joe Smith Jr. would actually be one of the top guys in that division. A dangerous guy. And actually, at a cruiserweight, I think, you know, again, he'd be a dangerous guy. Uh, Dimitri Bibble is going to get a lot of backlash for the third fight in a row he and knock his opponent out. He's going to move down in weight, but he's definitely one of the best fighters in the sport. Technically, he has a, a solid punch. He's not a, a knockout puncher, but he's a very solid puncher. He's a complete fighter all around. Well, do you think it would be advantageous for, for him? I, I, I would think, for Bivol, I would think that the money, there's more money in the light heavyweight division, but for him, the fighter, I know he's young, but do you think super middleweight division could be the right place for him? Really, the light heavyweight division is talent packed. But really, you know, you got Alexander Vodzik, who's a great fighter. He's technically the lineal champion, the WBC champion. He's with, he doesn't have a big fan base. He's not a big draw. Again, Alvarez, Kovalev, he's on his way out. Kovalev, you know, the next uh, top-level guy he fights, in my opinion, Kovalev is going to lose to. Um, you know, Alvarez kind of seen that you know he can be outboxed easier than a lot of people thought super middleweight division has the guys that once again as i keep stressing are known throughout the world and a fight with a dimitri bivall against uh callum smith would be huge imagine that over in england with ninety thousand people that would probably be the biggest super middleweight fight that i can think of in the last since kalzaki versus lacy and that's the money. That's where the money, you got the zone, and then you got that live gate money. So, of course, that's huge money. You know, that that that, that would be good business sense and, you know, very uh, smart for Bibble in terms of, you know, the size and um, what he's uh, putting his body through. Yeah, he just seemed he just seemed so much smaller than Smith. And even, and I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you about Kovalev, but a Kovalev in there or, uh, you know, uh, Godzak, same thing. They're going to be so much bigger, you know, um, uh, it is what it is, I guess. But uh... that's what he is, you know. Um, the I, mean, I was um, I was very critical last night about Smith's team, you know. And in Joe Smith's last few fights, 
he's taken a lot of punishment. Same, you know, with the Sullivan Barrera fight, he took a lot of punishment. He's got that, you know, uh, a granite chin. He has had his jaw broken a few times. You know, his team is doing him no favors by putting him in there. He's not making this mega money that's really, you know, saying it's worth it for him. You know, I would hate to see this kid end up like a John Mugabe type where because he's been able to absorb these punches for so long and he gets these few uh, big fights, once he does get dented that first time, Joe Smith Jr. is going to be easy pickings. And, you know, he's not going to really have anything to show for it. And all they're going to do is keep trying to feed off of that Hopkins win. And that's exactly what they were doing last night, and that's what Star Boxing keeps doing. They keep just thriving and trying to feed off that boxing win. You know, they did that to Chris Algieri. I'd love to see Joe Smith Jr. with a new trainer and a new team behind him, and Joe Smith Jr. career would really take off. He could stop his daytime job, and he could actually, you know, become a serious, legitimate contender, and in my opinion, a world champion. You think he's got the tools for that, Dax? I think if he had a better team behind him, he was able to commit himself to full-time training, yes. I believe Joe Smith Jr., with the chin, with the power, with the heart, is definitely capable of becoming a world champion, especially in an era with so many world title belts. All he needs to do, I mean, if he had to change one thing right now that would that would help him, he needs to establish a jab. I, I mean, he abandons the jab so quickly, and then he goes into this bombs-away you know, tough guy role uh, routine, uh, which has worked for him, all, you know, in the past. But, you know, if somebody taught him how to sit down on his punches and, and, and throw them behind a, you know, a piston-like jab, you're right. You know, he would. how old is he? Um, he's, I don't even think he's 30. I think he's 28, 29. But, you know, he's a big, he's big, um, uh, not, you know, so much in height, but, you know, in stature. Imagine Joe Smith Jr. with a solid one-two and a hook behind it. Joe Smith Jr. would be hell for anybody. I don't care who it is, whether or not Kovalev, Baval, Vodzik, I don't care. Joe Smith Jr. would be hell for any of them, but Joe Smith Jr. needs a better team behind him to get that done. The team behind him, they may have his best interest in heart, but you're seeing very much like a Chris Algieri type situation there. Their interest may be one thing, but their ability, their knowledge, their know-how to get it done is another. And it's not helping Joe Smith Jr. And I hate when you have a guy who puts so much into it, who works so hard, such a blue-collar guy, who's going out there to try and do what guys do in this sport, make money, live a dream, build a legacy, and the people around them are hurting them, not helping them. Great point, and I uh, agree with you there. So, uh, Dax, great job, and uh, we look forward to you next time, brother. All right, everybody. Talk to you soon. That's Dax Khan. You can check him out uh, up on our website, www.billycboxing.com. One thing I want to uh, add before we go to break, well, actually two things. One is I've said the same type of thing about Deontay Wilder. Um, when all is said and done, he's going to look back on his career and realize that he had the wrong team around him. Uh, don't forget, after this next break uh, or after uh, – we're going to take this break, and then uh, by the time we get Sal back on, we got the uh, Talking Boxing with Billy C. official T-shirt on the line for the uh, largest super chat that we can get. So uh, go on on to the YouTube page if you're watching live. Go into the YouTube chat room and uh, give us a super chat. You could be going home with uh, Talking Boxing with Billy C. T-shirt. So Hey, listen, I'm going to take a short break. When we come back, we're scheduled to have uh, Alex Papali join us. Don't go anywhere. Billy C will be right back. Hey, fight fans. Check out KOFantasyBoxing.com. KO Fantasy Boxing is boxing's only trademarked fantasy game. Check it out. www.kofantasyboxing.com. 
select your own gym, your own fighters, track them through a season that can last from three months to a year, depending upon which league you join. You got to check this out, man. www.kofantasyboxing.com. Join it today. Again, www.kofantasyboxing.com. And tell them Billy C sent you. The one, the only, Don King. Makes me feel good, Billy, to have you, the number one show in the country, talking boxing with Billy. So I invite each and every American that's listening to this great show to tune in. This, we want you to be there with Billy and me. Now back to talking boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C., damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. The undisputed heavyweight champion of boxing talk radio. It's Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy Z. Interact with the show at BillyZBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. Don't forget a super chat, the largest one, uh, within the next 20 minutes gets your very own Talking Boxing with Billy C. t-shirt. Of course, you need to add that to your wardrobe. And don't forget, check us out on uh, Ginica. Well, I don't know. Should I say that? It's our own channel. It's Billy C. Boxing TV channel. But if you go to Ginico USA, G-I-N-I-K-O-U-S-A.com, you can find out all the platforms. I know it's Roku and uh, a whole bunch more, uh, Google Play and some other stuff. Just, just go to the site. You'll see. Sign it up. It doesn't cost you nothing. It's free. Joining us right now. He's free, too. Listening to him on this channel is free, too, uh, is my man, uh, Alex Papali. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Billy C. How are you? I'm doing okay. How you doing? I am well. I'm well. Getting a little uh, precipitation here. I can hear it hitting the windows. A little bit of freezing rain. Uh, yeah, well, thank God you're only getting freezing rain. We'll get more snow. I, I'm, I'm about to. Uh, I can't I was- take it with the snow, man. I figured you must be getting snow if oh we were getting God. that mixed precip. It's so it's so depressing, you know. But uh, I mean, I I got feet of it. It's not it's not just a little dusting. It's feet here, you know. Uh, I know that's what I say. Oh uh, yeah, and then I, what what you hate at this time of the winter? All the snow banks that have been there for months—they're all dirty and brown and depressed. Well, well, one advantage we have is we get new snow to cover over all that dirt, you know. So it's always it's always white and look and looks depressing because it's like, is it ever going to go away? You know, maybe by July. But uh, uh, anyway, Sean Porter retained his uh, WBA uh, welterweight title yesterday against uh, Yordinas uh, Ugas. Um, what was your thoughts on the fight? Um, did you think Porter won the fight? Uh, what's your thoughts? Uh, I thought it looked like he squeaked it out. I did not uh, score it round by round, unfortunately, because I was watching the Joe Smith fight at the same time. So it's kind of unfair to, uh, you know, really, you know, convince yourself you actually know uh, the score of both fights when you're doing that. Um, To me, it definitely looked close. 
Uh, I agree with a lot of what you guys have said that it was, um, you know, Porter fighting in a different style. We've seen him do that now a couple of times. Uh, it was his the win over Danny Garcia where he uh, he boxed a lot more than he, he fought in his typical sort of grinder style. Uh, I thought it mostly worked for him last night. From what I saw, I thought it was an entertaining fight. Um, but uh, I'm definitely going to watch it again and score it round by round and see uh, see how close it was or if, uh, like Dax, if I thought Ugas pulled it out. Well, I thought I scored at 115-113 for Porter. Dax scored at 115-113 for Ugas. And I'm okay with either of it that way. It was that close. I would have been happy with a draw, too. What I didn't think is that it was 116-112 or 117-111 for either guy. You know, so uh, it always makes me wonder about that. I thought the new style for Porter was good. It was good to keep a, a an opponent, you know, off track a bit. But it didn't help him. You know, like, yes, it helped him keep uh, his opponent guessing. But it didn't help him solidify a win. And at the end of the day, to have a fight be... If, if what he's saying is that the style that he chose to fight is the reason it was so close, uh, and they think that they got what they were looking for, that's a stupid game plan, in my opinion. You know, um, they need to rethink that. Or maybe Porter's just starting to age. You know, he's not a young kid, Alex, you know? Yeah, I think that could be it. And I, and I think they had a... Um you know, a, a, a tall, rangy guy in front of them who uh, had a lot of ring savvy. Um, so I think sometimes it's difficult to look at a, good against a guy like that. You know, um, you know, for the punch stat numbers, whatever they're worth, uh, it did look like um, Porter was outlanding him in almost every round. So well, he was know. out throwing. He was out throwing uh, again. I hate even using those stats, but right. he was out throwing them. And it was Ugas who, who was out landing. Well, the percentage of, of throwing versus landing were higher, I think, for Ugas. But at the end of the fight, the, the total landed were, were, higher for, um, were higher for Porter. But that's subjective. You, you of all people, no, you and I have talked about that, uh, you know, till it stops snowing here. And, uh, uh, you know, it's subjective. Yeah. No, absolutely right. And I... And I think it was one of those fights that um, it just looked close, you know, and and I think that's the thing about it is that, um, uh, you know, maybe Sean Porter was a little, um, uh, up, you know, surprised by how difficult it was. I, you know, I'm not sure how much we should glean about the weight, the weight issue, but I tell you, you did have two fights last night where you had these frightening situations where... Uh, and we haven't seen them really, at least not that I can think of offhand, where they've been really calamitous, uh, whereas they have been in uh, UFC, where guys are just so incredibly weight-drained. Um, well, we did have, what was it, Danny O'Connor uh, recently, who couldn't fight because of the weight loss. Uh, last night you had the Maurice Hooker, uh, you had him, who uh, took two hours to try to make the weight. He claimed his scale was a little off. But then you had that really kind of melodramatic scene there of Sean Porter, you know, naked behind a curtain and them cutting his hair to try to get a few ounces lighter. Um, I don't know. It does sort of make you wonder what the hell all these weight uh, weight classes are for. 
especially when you see these guys gain so much weight overnight. Um, and they said that Maurice Hooker in the, in the on the DAZN card, they said Maurice Hooker literally needed help being lifted out of his chair at the fighter meeting. And not, they were, he wasn't sitting in between rounds. They were lifting him up. Hey, I'll tell you what. Sean Porter, you know, if they, they get the scissors and they cut his hair off, and they, hey, you still need a little more. And all of a sudden, they all look at him, get the scalpel. No, no, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. How important is this fight to you? They should have talked to my barber. He's pretty good at scalping you. No, I don't mean that scalping. I mean behind the curtain, behind the towel. You know, (laughs) come on. Uh, Where could could you lose a couple more? Okay, (laughs) Sean. But, uh, But anyway, one fight talking about uh, the uh, the Sean Porter card for, for one more minute. There was a heavyweight on there. I don't know if you got to see him as you were toggling back and forth. Uh, but uh, undefeated uh, uh, Effie uh, Ajagba improved to 9-0 and against Amir Mansour. Now, Amir Mansour is 46 years old. But this kid is a guy that I'm going to clearly keep an eye on. Did you see the fight? I did, and I, uh, I'm glad you brought it up because I definitely wanted to talk about it. I think nobody does that to Amir Mansoor. Um, so I think that's something we definitely should take note of. Uh, it was um, impressive. I, I the, thing, the, the last time we saw a Jogba, I think he blasted the guy out in like 12 seconds or something ridiculous. So we, we didn't get to really see much of him. Last night we saw a little more, and I think that was definitely something impressive. Um, just to hurt Mansoor, yes, he's older now and he's not what he used to be. Uh, but as you saw last night, there's no quit in him. That was a great moment where he just, where he literally roared at uh, a Jagba. But that was him. He was out of tools. He knew he was outgunned. Um, it was interesting because, uh, you know, a Jagba is so big and so rangy and the, the reach is so so long that smaller guys are always going to have trouble. So Mansoor was, um, you know, at a disadvantage right from the get-go, but he is such a badass that I kind of had a feeling that at least he would um, test a Jagba a little. Uh, he certainly didn't. So credit to a Jagba on that. Uh, yeah, I think that that he's somebody to watch and and you know it's just great we have all these uh heavyweight prospects these days yeah well the key here is to have them fight each other so that we weed them out when you look at a jogba now now when he when i first looked at him in the ring and mansoor is not a, a a monster heavyweight but like you said he's he's a tough guy and and he's always in shape uh muscular uh, he did quit on his school that time when he put his uh, teeth, with, which were protected by his uh, mouthpiece, through his tongue. And, uh, you know, he couldn't continue. And I'll never forget his corner jumping up and down like he just, you know, quit on his stool because, he, he, you know, he had a bloody nose. I mean, the pain that he must have been uh, over that. But, but in any event, you know, when I first saw... Uh, uh, Ajagba, I, I'm sitting there going, oh, here we go. Another guy with Deontay Wilder's build. You know, uh, Deontay Wilder is always in shape, but he's small. You know, he's sitting, he's six foot seven, but he's 211 pounds. I've always wondered why he hasn't been, you know, fighters haven't muscled him around. And the truth is, the only two good fighters he has uh, fought have muscled him around. 
But when I looked into it, Ajagba, he's six foot, six foot five, two forty, and he's only twenty four years old. Um, this is a guy that, and and his opponents. I don't know if you caught it earlier. His combined record of his opponents in less than ten fights: seventy nine wins, twenty two losses, and five draws. This guy's got an impressive resume too, uh, Alex. And I think that I think that this guy. When I look at young fighters, it's hard to really judge them because the cupcakes that they're being fed are not good gauges. But this guy, especially, you know, the only reason why he doesn't have nine knockouts is the Curtis Harper fight. Uh, Curtis Harper was DQ'd, and Curtis Harper was a good. I mean, his pro debut is against a six and one heavyweight. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I mean, uh, it's exciting to uh, to see uh, a, a guy like this develop. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe he will pack. I mean, he's two was two hundred forty pounds last night, so he's still, you know, he's he's pretty big for a heavyweight. But maybe he will um, pack on more weight, you know, for for that six five frame. Um, no, but, but yeah. I'm saying I'm saying two forty is pretty damn good at with that frame. I mean, he just he, he's able to move. He, he's he's very he seems kind. He seems more mature uh, than a twenty four year old with less than ten pro fights. Yeah, he does. There is uh, a maturity about him, which is hard to believe because he spent so uh, so little time in the ring. Most of his fights end in the first round. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Bivol fight. Uh, you know, Dim- Dimitri Bivol uh, took care of Joe Smith Jr. Uh, not with a little, not without a little drama. Um, Bivol uh, got rocked in that fight twice. Once pretty severely uh, at the end of, uh, I believe, the tenth round, uh, right at the bell or immediately after. Um, oh, one one point I want to make, bef- and then you can give me your thoughts on the Bivol fight. Jumping back to uh, Sean Porter, you know, I, there's certain subtle signs that that I, I, I detect when a fighter's on his way downward or, or losing interest. And two things happened in that fight. One, uh, his pops had to take him away um, to train him because he, he was having a hard time focusing, which was never, ever, ever an issue uh, for Sean Porter. Uh, and the other was he was complaining to the ref. He was complaining to the referee about... Um, his opponent using his elbows and rough tactics, and uh, he argued when when Reese called uh, the cut uh, as a result of a punch. He said no, it was a headbutt. Those kinds of complaints and looking to the ref for help is also a sign. And for a guy to complain about a, an opponent using rough tactics, a lot of fighters can complain, but Sean Sean Porter shouldn't be that guy. I mean, uh, what's your thoughts on that? And of course, the Bivol fight. Yeah, I think that um, I think maybe that goes to to along the way to say that he was a little surprised by what he faced last night, and you know, a guy uh, sometimes gets a little out of sorts um, when they're faced with things that. Um, you know, they didn't expect and they're not going their way. I mean, remember, as much of a, a badass as Julio Cesar Chavez was, he was a big complainer. Uh, when things didn't go his way, even for a minute, he complained. Uh, he, sometimes, you know, uh, that does, I, I think you, 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 you're right in pointing it out. That could um, uh, show that maybe he was in a fight that he didn't expect last night. But, you know, I mean, and if that's the case, credit to him because he still pulled out the win. Right, right. Well, 
I mean, I'm just, you know, I was just. It was close. Yeah, I was just pointing out, you know, when they start looking for the ref for help, you know, but. Uh, oh, yeah, definitely. That's definitely a sign. One thing I did want to mention. Uh, oh, actually, he is on the Turning Stone card that we're just about to talk about. But the um, that Junior Yunnan uh, kid, was that fight um, on zone? Because I'm going to have to see. I, I'd like to see that. I saw him fight at Foxwoods a while back. And he's definitely, there's a lot, he's real cocky. He's got an intriguing style, fun to watch. I'm excited to hear that he won last night. I, I If that fight's available on the zone, I'm going to have to check it out. It is. And he fought Finley. And you've seen Derek yeah. Superman Finley uh, as much as I have. And, I mean, you can't go by his record. He's been robbed a lot, but he's a tough guy. And, uh um, you know, Yaunin, uh beat him, and I, I think that, that that's another guy to keep an eye on. But, but the difference between him uh, and uh, Ajagba is that, you know, he's 15-0 and 0 with a draw. Those 15 fights weren't against all Derek Finley's. You know, uh, they were against some real hand-picked, uh, easy layup-type fights. This is why I'm so uh, impressed with Ajagba because uh, his n- his nine fights were not against all uh, cupcakes. But what was your thoughts on the Bivol fight? Uh, I enjoyed that fight. I think that um, Bivol, uh, I thought he looked better last night than he did against Pascal. Um, Pascal, I kind of ha- was left with a little question, a few question marks. Um, but I think that um, he handled last night very well. And I think that Joe Smith Jr., it's really unfortunate that um, he doesn't have uh, a little bit. You know, I mean, the thing about this sport is I respect everybody who gets in that ring. But, I mean, you know, there's levels. And it's just uh, unfortunate that um, Joe Smith Jr.'s skills aren't up a little bit more because he has such incredible power. It is scary. Do you, do you agree? Do you agree with Dax that you know Joe Smith Jr. should continue his career, but make some major changes, like with all of his uh, uh, training guys? I mean, you know, his his trainer and his team. Um, uh, really, I mean, if this kid had a jab, he would be better. Yeah, I mean, I think that it would be it it, it would be interesting to see um, you know how far how much further he could go. But at the same time, you know, you dance with the ones that brought you. And uh, uh, I think that... Um, to a know, degree. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you can, uh, if you can, you know, bring somebody in that maybe has something to offer where you could uh, improve your style. Because, yeah, I mean, he has the power. He's got trouble getting it to the target. Yeah, but you know, you know what happens, though, Alex, and and I agree with you because no one appreciates loyalty more than me, and I, and I, I agree with you. You know, I mean, these guys brought him along and everything else, but the problem with the sport of boxing is there's a lot of egos, and uh, you know, it's like uh, it's like when you have a father uh, training his son uh, in any sport, uh, and, and and they get to a point. And, and the smart ones that are truly looking out for their sons or, in the same case, a, a, a trainer who's looking out for his fighter, they have to recognize at a point where they don't know anymore. They can't teach this kid anymore. And the kid has got the potential. That's when they need to bring somebody else in. And your, your choice of words were, were way better than mine. 
Bring somebody else in. Don't kick them all to the curb. Maybe that's not the answer. Maybe that's a, a, a ruthless approach. But um, I, to bring someone else in to better the fighter, to better the team, would be what they need to do, I think. Yeah, I think if they did that, that um, it would be interesting to see you know, how much further he could go. Because right now you do have um, a really uh, entertaining mix of light heavyweights. Uh, so there is, I, I would think that, you know, maybe we could, uh, see more from Joe Smith Jr., but, um, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I think he definitely fought a tough fight last night. Um, you know, he didn't, the most discouraged, uh, he showed was when he had the body slam, which, um, Sergio Mora seemed to, uh, um, you know, applaud, uh, which was a little weird that Brian Kenny had to kind of get him to back away from that. But um, I thought that uh, Bivol definitely showed, you know, the things that are going to make him, uh, you know, be a champion who I think we see for a while in that division. I do think that um, he definitely was stung. Uh, but I, I can't imagine anyone who gets hit flush by Joe Smith who wouldn't get rocked. That's the thing about him. It's that it's freaky power. Um, but I think that the thing that Bivol showed is that uh, he didn't let it, you know, interrupt the apple cart, upset the apple cart. You know, I mean, he even in that his worst round was probably the 11th round. But um, then he had the strong finish in the 12th. So uh, I don't know. I thought he answered uh, the questions that were posed to him last night. Um, I did think that uh, our our man, Charlie Fitch, who I like a lot, um, I was a little disappointed in his um, slow stoppage in the Callum Johnson-Shawnee Monaghan fight, especially after they had had that freaky, scary knockout. Um, Shawnee Monaghan was destroyed, and there was no reason to let that fight continue after the second knockdown. And then Monaghan's corner didn't even do the right thing. I know. Uh, that was disappointing. I know that um, some of those guys are the same as Joe Smith's, right? Uh, I'm not sure. They some, might be. Yeah. Um, real quick, uh, we only got a, a couple minutes here. I wanted to get, get two more questions. Did you get a chance to see Daniel Dubois fight on Friday? No, I didn't. And I didn't realize that there was an ESPN2 card. Uh, even though I have the app, I better make sure that there's. Uh... You could still watch it. It's you could okay, you, so... you you could go back and just watch uh, previously shown if you have the account. But Daniel Dubois uh, scored a, a second round knockout over Raz uh, Raz Van Kajanu, um, who's been you know fed to several uh, up and coming heavyweights lately. But uh, he was in really good shape, Kajanu, uh, better than I've seen. The last time I saw him in that good of shape was when he was in that heavyweight tournament from ESPN. And um, uh, Dubois is coming along. He's not ready, but he's coming along. Very interesting fighter. But also on that card, Liam Williams um, had a similar fight uh, where the referee uh, almost got his opponent, Joe uh, Mullinder, uh, killed. Uh, and Liam Williams went up to him after the fight and said, man, you should have stopped that fight. But uh, one, one question I wanted to ask you, Triple G signs a deal with uh, the zone. A uh, three-year, six-fight deal. Um, congratulations to Triple G financially, but I can't figure this signing out. Um, you know, Triple G is clearly on his way down. Uh, the big fight for him would be a triple. 
you know, a trifecta against uh, Canelo. Uh, many people, including myself, believe Triple G won both of the fights. Um, you know, I, you know. Unfortunately, I, I, I see a rematch in, on the horizon for against Daniel J. No, there's no easy fight coming Triple G's way. What's your thoughts on this signing, man? Uh, I'm glad. I think that um, anything that gets us uh, an, a third Canelo fight, um, I think, is good. Even and at I, this stage? Even at this stage? Even at this stage, I do want to see it. I think they have unfinished business. Uh, I think that that's, um, at middleweight, that's one of the best matchups we've seen in a very long time. And I think that, unfortunately, even though I think a lot of fans are probably convinced uh, who's better um, because I think that a lot of people have strong opinions. Some people, I, I know that there's some writers out there who thought both fights were draws and still want to know who won, won. So I think that, um, yeah, anything that makes uh, Canelo uh, Triple G3 happen uh, is good news to me. Um, however, you know, Danny Jacobs has the ability to change all that. I was just going to say, Canelo's yeah. in for a fight of his life against Daniel Jacobs. I got news for you. Right. Well, and that, and I think that's the other thing about this is that at, at Triple G's age, I mean, let's face it, the fights that you'd like to see him in are going to be Canelo. I wouldn't mind seeing him against Jacobs again. So it, it is possible that... Yeah, this is a six-fight deal, but I'm not sure it's going to happen. Actually, all six we would see. I agree. Uh, it's possible that he'll be done after three, and I wouldn't be or two, uh, or one. It, I mean, it could be if that. Um, yeah, if the rubber match with uh, with Canelo is brutal, that might be. <clears throat> excuse me, that might be enough. Um, speaking of um, brutal fights, one thing I did want to mention that my brother told me that I did get the uh, chance of seeing the other day. Uh, for anybody who's got Netflix, um, there is a little uh, 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 episodic show that they've added to their their copious playlist uh, called Losers. The first episode is about Michael Bent. Yeah. Yep. Uh, if you get a chance, you got to see it. Uh, it is very good. It's only about 25, 30 minutes long. Um there are interviews with uh, Mickey Rourke that really bring very little value to it. However, the interviews with Michael Bent and what he's been through, uh, it's absolutely fascinating. Anyone who loves this sport um, should see it because uh, there's a lot of things that he talks about that happens with losing that we don't think about. You know, what's funny. What's funny, uh, I, I, saw, I saw clips of it, and I, it was interesting to hear him say, how he didn't even want to fight. He didn't even want to fight. He was a, he he was an amateur, a good amateur. Won the New York State Golden Gloves, I think, twice. Um, they talk him into fighting. He loses to uh, uh, Herbie Hyde, and uh, and and then he he said it was the best thing that happened to him, not because of all the medical conditions, because now. He's in the movie business. He he helps these guys train for for movie bits, and he says he's he's happier than ever. But uh, a good point um, on that. And another thing, I don't mean to be like Alex and promote stuff, but ESPN <laughs> ESPN three. Do you know what I watched the other day by, by yeah. being a subscriber to ESPN three? Uh, Hagler Hearns again, oh, and wow. and I'll tell you that fight never gets old. It was a funny scene in that Alex. 
Now, you remember that fight. To me, it was the best three minutes of live boxing I ever witnessed, right? Um, uh, I mean, three rounds, I should say. Uh, you know, a little less than nine minutes. Um, Richard Steele, who was the referee in that fight, actually was using the words, uh, let go, let go. Now, now, if you watch that fight, there are uh, several split seconds where the gloves will hold each other uh, around. Uh, Tommy Hearns uh, leaning on Hagler a couple of times. Hagler, when he was really rocked bad in the first round, uh, leaning on her. And and, and there's uh, Richard Steele. Let, let, let go, let go. No holding, no holding. He's going. And I, and I couldn't help but laugh considering, you know, how that fight was nonstop action and we're getting warnings from the referee uh, to stop holding was just comical, comical. Uh, yeah. but, uh, that, that first, the first round of that fight, oh my God, that is just a absolute frenzy of action. The whole and fight, it, the whole fight. I mean, really, uh, you know, um, regardless of whose side you, you were on, I mean, it was a great fight, great fight, you know, uh, changed, uh, changed the, the sport, I think, you know, uh, well, and you might see, um, a great welterweight one coming up this Saturday night. I, uh, they certainly did their best to promote it last night. Hopefully, it'll do well. Um, I, I, I like Mikey Garcia. So do I. So do I. I'm predicting Garcia in a huge upset. I've said it all along, you know. So, anyway, Alex, we got to run. Great job as usual. And we'll look forward to you uh, next week to talk about uh, Spence Garcia. Sounds good. All right, Billy C. Take care. That's Alex Papali. You can uh, check him out. Uh, on the website. Uh, yeah, I can't wait for that fight. I've been saying uh, all along that I think that uh, Mikey Garcia is going to shock the world. Uh, there's just uh, a lot of things uh, about uh, Mikey Garcia that um, makes me believe uh, that he uh, uh, is going to uh, upset the apple cart uh, big time uh, next week. But uh, uh, an update, you know, Vasily Lomachenko, uh, many regard as uh, the pound-for-pound pound number one fighter uh, in the world today. And, uh, you know, I, I'm no different. I mean, I, I think that I like to make the argument that um, he's tied uh, for the number one pound-for-pound pound spot with Terrence Crawford because I believe Terrence Crawford deserves uh, that respect as well. And it's hard for me to, uh, to really pick one of the two um, they're both so talented, uh, but, uh, one of the fights that, that, uh, most people want to see, uh, is Vasily Lomachenko against, uh, Javanta Tank Davis, and, um, in the, in the news, uh, the other day, uh, Vasily Lomachenko, uh, heard some quotes from Floyd Mayweather, who's the promoter of, uh, Tank Davis, and, uh, well, Mayweather said, and I quote, Davis doesn't need the fight, referring to a fight with Lomachenko, anytime soon. Remember, he's just 24, and Lomachenko, he's 31. He's very old, and before you know it, he's going to be 40. Uh, Lomachenko says, hey, man, they're businessmen. They're not athletes. All they're thinking about is making money. I'm an athlete. I want to fight the top fighters for history for my history and for boxing's history. Um, Floyd Mayweather also in his uh, comments pointed out that uh, Tank Davis knocked out Jose Pedraza uh, to win his title 
uh, and Vasily Lomachenko had to go to difference. Um, Lomachenko said it was a much different fight when Pedraza fought Davis. He had to lose a lot of weight. He was fighting him down in his weight class. He wasn't. Uh, he said I wasn't at his weight class when uh, Pedraza fought Davis. He went and he fought. He was coming forward with me. He was running away. He goes. First of all, I feel Lomachenko shouldn't have made any of the excuses that he did. Uh, second of all, this is me. I feel that Lomachenko shouldn't have made the excuses. Uh, second of all, the the reason is simple. It doesn't matter who beat who. This was an example of Floyd Mayweather Jr. trying to pull the wool over the eyes of the non-intelligent or non-informed boxing fan just by suggesting that because one fighter beats another fighter that, you know, a third fighter is going to fight, um, beat him quicker than he did, uh, if that actually means something, uh, it's BS. Floyd Mayweather Jr. built the second part of his career, which incidentally was the most financially rewarding part of his career, on BS. He fought BS fights against BS opponents, and he sold the BS to, to the public, and he's trying to do it now. What's, uh, I, I didn't like the fact that Lomachenko was trying to make excuses, but what I do like the fact is that Lomachenko said, hey, I get it about the money, but my interest, in addition to money, is the historical part. Something I think the majority of boxing uh, boxers don't have today. What's your thoughts, Sal? You, you hit on the head, and so did Lomachenko. It's greater than just one fighter or just one fight. This is the big picture. This is historical. This is what's great for the sport, which history, what's going to be talked about for generations, and that's that's Lomachenko's big, big picture of things. Floyd Mayweather, small picture of what he sees in front of him. You know what? Javante Davis is a good fighter. I like him. I'm a fan of his. He's good. But you know what? Lomachenko, I don't think that's a fight that, that Lomachenko will turn down or that he would lose. And he's not going to lose it, and he wants it. It's Mayweather talking his guy. You see, my hang-up with Floyd Mayweather has always been simple. That My hang-up with Floyd Mayweather is he – forget about that he's been successful dodging and, and you know, fighting a lesser opposition, um, but he's conned the fans. And I think that over the time that Floyd has retired and, and I've really gotten to, to look at the con job – it bothers me that the fans are so naive and stupid that they eat this stuff up, and uh, it bothers me. Anyway, we got a bunch of emails to read, Sal, so let's get that going. Um, first one's from uh, my man Jesse. He says, uh, hey, Billy, see, here's my picks for the weekend. Porter, split decision over you guys. He got that one right. Um, he says, uh, um, uh, these fights I didn't watch. Uh, well, he says, uh, uh, a gag fee, uh, uh, a gag butt stopping Mansoor, middle rounds. Well, he got that right, except it was early rounds. Bivol, late round stoppage over Smith in an exciting fight. Uh, and he picked uh, Lesbury over Hooker in an upset. Well, he was wrong on that. He was right with Bivol winning, but not by TKO. Um, he says, Billy, what's your thoughts on Jesse Vargas moving to 154 and possibly challenging Mugaya this year? Um, I think it's a mistake. Mugai is too big for even 154. Jesse Vargas is a legitimate uh, welterweight. He should stay there. Uh, he says, what I see that Mikey sees is that he will take advantage is that Spence doesn't move his head and he gets hit with straight hands constantly. 
But Spence has been working on his defense and has figured out what Mikey's going to try to do. It's going to be interesting to see. Uh, like I said, my prediction is an upset in this fight. I think Mikey Garcia will beat Errol Spence. I just don't think that Mikey Garcia is going into this fight to lose. He's a special, special fighter, and uh, I will not be shocked uh, if he beats Spence by a decision. Even though Spence is the champ, he's going to beat him by a decision because Mikey Garcia does what all fighters should do, Sal. If he gets hit twice, he throws six, seven punches back. He will win this fight. I'm telling you, he's going he's gonna to shock the world and beat Errol Spence. I, I'm just convinced of it. I I, I, I love your enthusiasm and your conviction about it. Um, and you know what? You, you, you're doing off a good basis and an educated prediction of, of, of what you're using. And I think it's great. I don't know if I see the fight going quite that way. No, hey, listen, most don't. It's, it's like I said, it's a huge upset. Uh, well, Errol Spence should win the fight. But uh, anyway, guess what? I got an email from Raheem. Raheem. He says, he says, good morning, Billy C. and Sal. It's Raheem. I always love how he does that. Like, I can't, like, I can't see it. Hey, I'll give you a hint, Raheem. It says your name on the email. But uh, anyway, he says, my question today is, if Joshua and Freire fight each other, is the fight going to be in the UK or Vegas? And how do you see this fight? Uh, I think Fury has a better jab and has the ability to get up from a big punch. Wilder knocked Fury, uh, and Wilder has the best KO percentage, but Fury getting up shows that he could take any of Joshua's punches and any of draw against pound-for-pound pound, uh, fighter. And Wilder, uh, I think Fury is an unorthodox fighter, and Joshua will have a hard time. When Joshua fights Fury, I will take Fury in KO fashion to set up the rematch with Wilder. Now to baseball, do you like my White Sox this year? And should the NFL take Robert Kraft of ownership? Uh, I think that the Patriots cheat in every way, and I hope your Jets beat him this year. Well, thanks for that. Uh, the Robert Kraft situation with him and the horse, um, I listen, you know, uh, they're not going to take the, uh, the team from him. Uh, you know, it was a bad decision on Kraft's part. It's a bad image uh, rule that the NFL has. But uh, I've never heard of Robert Kraft getting in trouble before. So uh, as far as Wilder, forget about Wilder. He'll never beat Anthony Joshua. But uh, as far as a rematch with Fury, um, you know, the fight's not happening right now. And uh, when and if it does, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, th I think Fury will want it to be in the U.K., I, I, we've talked about Wilder a lot today. I, I think he's lost his options. Uh, uh, I, I just don't think he's in any kind of a driver's seat. And the smartest thing for him to do, Sal, in my opinion, would be to uh, sign with uh, with Eddie Hearn and get on the zone, and, and uh, a lot of things will open up for him. I think you're right, pal. I think you're right. I think that's a good game plan. And uh, it's a shame he didn't have that behind him earlier. He always, but he's had the offers. He's, he's had been, the offers. Yeah. But he hasn't had the clarity to make decisions on what's best for his career. He hasn't done that. You know, we, we, we could argue. We could argue and say he's just stupid and didn't take it, or he's extremely loyal and he's putting his career in the hands of his team, which let's assume that's the reason. When do you say when? When do you when do you start questioning when you see all these other fighters around you 
making more money than you, getting the big fights, being more worldwide recognized, et cetera, et cetera. All the things that Deontay Wilder is not. You see it now, and that's why he's he's doing what he's doing now. He realized it. He, hopefully he's not too late, but he realized it. Push came to shove. He said, you know what? Something's got to change in my career. And uh, this is the pushback right now that he's, he's showing. And uh, it's good. Better late than never. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's all rumor. We don't know. But uh, in any event, let me continue with some uh, emails. This one's from Joel. He says, hey, Billy C. and Sal, did you get to see the Anthony Yard fight on Friday uh, on ESPN Plus? Thoughts uh, on him being the next possible mandatory for Kovalev? Would he have a shot? What are your thoughts on Daniel Dubois? Um, I did see the fight. Um, I don't. You know, Kovalev is such a 50-50 fighter. I, I'm not... Yard has got some... He's got some way to go, I think. Uh, um, I would rather see Kovalev against uh, Bivol, uh, but I don't think Anthony Yard is is, is ready yet for, for that jump, but we'll see. As far as Daniel Dubois, same thing. I mean, he's got power. He's young. Uh, he's aggressive. I would like to see him improve his defense a little. And to be honest with you, his footwork is a little uh, plottish. Um, but, uh, you know, he's a good up and coming heavyweight. Another, I'd like to see him fight another good up and coming heavyweight. Uh, it's time to, you know, give these guys, uh, an opportunity to get better. I know you didn't see that card, uh, Sal, but, um, he also goes on to say very exciting triple G, uh, is with, uh, DAZN. Can't wait to see him in the ring. Who do you think would be the perfect opponent, uh, under the, uh, DAZN banner? Uh, who do, would you like to see him fight in June? I have a feeling we're going to see him uh, fight Demetrius Andre. I think that that's going to be a fight that we see on the zone. Demetrius Andre against Triple G. What do you think? I don't know, but that'd be a hell of a fight. But uh, you know, we we look at what what are the what does the future have in store for Triple G aside from Canelo, and I think that's a great great fight to uh, to start focusing on, and uh, I think that could happen. And I think it'll be a good one that we could talk about and uh, look forward to seeing. Um, we got some other emails. This one's from uh, Luke. He says, uh, the subject on, on this email is Ask Sal. He says, hey, guys. So in the past couple of weeks, I've been creating a new section of the show in my head, and I decided to call it Ask Sal. He says, so, Sal. I've just started to return back to the boxing gym after three years out, and I'm obviously a little bit rusty. I'm finding I'm pushing my jab out. I'm not whipping it out. So I was wondering, as a former champion prize fighter such as yourself, any tips on how to perfect the jab? And this is from uh, my man Luke Thunder Breslin. Luke, good to hear from you, pal. And, yeah, punch through that target, man, and, and snap it out. You got to turn that jab over. That 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 fist got to turn. It's got to turn. It's got to snap. You're you're punching to it. You know, keep the keep the glove open when you when you're gonna hit. You you make the fist and you 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 have it turn, come back, turn, come back. It's like a piston. Boom, boom. Step forward with the foot. Boom, and come back. And always bring your jab back up here to block for the right hand that's gonna come behind it. There we have it. 
Thunder Breslin has invented a new segment on the show called Ask Sal. So if you have any Thank questions you. to ask, if you, if you have any questions to ask Sal, just email me, Billy Absolutely. at Talking Boxing, T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com. Next email from Coach. He says, "Hey Billy C, how about Loma nailing what we've all knew along?" He says, uh, "Vasily Lomachenko says." Uh, when referring to Floyd Mayweather and Javante Davis, they're businessmen, not athletes. Um, yes, coach uh, turned me on to this quote. And, uh, you know, I, I, I love that Lomachenko is saying this. You know, the part that bothers me the most, coach, is the fact that so many fans buy into it and they actually justify it. They'll say things like Floyd said, well, you know, he he did better against Jose Pedraza so he doesn't have to fight him. You know, what kind of crap is that? Sal, I mean, I want to ask Sal. Sal, let me ask Sal. Let, hey, you know what, Sal? How can a, how can a fight fan say that? And they used to say that about Floyd. Well, he, he's, he could beat so-and-so so he doesn't have to fight him. And I'm saying, wait a minute, wait, just because you think he could beat so-and-so? You know, I, I mean... I think Lomachenko hit it on the head. It's You make money in the sport, but you also are trying to help the historical aspect of not only the sport, but for yourself too. What's your thoughts? I think it's great. I love Lomachenko for a multitude of reasons. And, and just his warrior approach to the historical value, what he wants to make the impression of his time in the ring here with us, I think is phenomenal. And and yeah, I think that, that, that uh, again, uh, having us talk about it was one way to, to, to keep it alive and everything else. Lomachenko is a champion all around, inside out, and just the way he carries himself and conducts himself. And, you know, Floyd Mayweather was a champion. I understood his his reasoning behind his style and what he does, and he's a money man, and he's a businessman. That's great. But we're talking about the whole essence of boxing, being being bigger than just one fighter. And that's where the big picture is, and that's what Lomachenko sees, and that's where he wants to fit in the big world of boxing in the history books. I love it. I got another email. Oh, actually, I got a couple uh, from my man uh, Mitch. And Mitch, Mitch is always, yeah. He says, uh, it's the first one. He says, Dillian White has a deal almost done with ESPN and top rank. Klitschko's thrown his head, hat back into the ring. He says, I'm loving this. Uh, he goes, uh, this puts Deontay and Al Heyman's back harder against the wall. You better sign a deal soon, Deontay. The writing's on the wall. Uh, you know, Billy C., you joked about AJ versus Wilder happening maybe in 2021. You joked about it, but I think you were halfway serious. Well, we might have to make that 2022. If Vladimir signs with the zone, then AJ has Miller, Chisora, Vladimir, Pulov, and Yusik he can fight. Uh, taking us to about 2022 or late 2021 at best. He says Fury can fight Bryant Jennings as a tune-up, Oscar Rivas, who he had already beat. Then you have guys who can fight on either network, DAZN or ESPN or even ESPN+, Plus, like Joseph Parker, Alexander Povetkin, Joe Joyce, Andy Ruiz, Tom Schwartz, and Sergi Kuzman. Wilder, on the other hand, has Brazil, Ortiz, and Kauznacki. We may never see AJ against Wilder. If we do, it's going to be 2021. Uh, he says, uh, paging Al Heyman, it's your move. He goes on to say, the offer from the Bob father to Deontay Wilder, Wilder was allegedly 
uh, $12.5 million guarantee plus pay-per-view. I'm not able to confirm that. He said, but if that's true, that's $8.5 million more than his guarantee for the first fight. He's talking about uh, a rematch with uh, Tyson Fury. He says, plus the second fight would be guaranteed to do more buys, which would give him a bigger cut. Instead of taking the money, this idiot is going to fight Dominic Brazil, which I have no problem with that fight. He says, but on pay-per-view, he says, I have a big problem with that. Does it reach 200,000 buys? If so, that's only because Fury uh, helped make Deontay Wilder more known. He says, Aram's uh, deal offer uh, has forced Showtime's hand to keep Wilder content. The only way they could pay him big money is to offer it as a pay-per-view. He says, Wilder Brazil is not a pay-per-view worthy fight. I'm happy for Brazil because I assume his purse is going to go up in this deal. For Wilder, I can't be happy or mad. I kind of feel sorry for this dummy. Maybe his handlers have something up their sleeves. He says, I just don't know. And finally, he says, I'm with you and Sal. Uh, thinking that Triple G has one good fight left in him, maybe two. Uh, I'm talking good fights left in him. Well, he signs a three-year, six-fight deal, six deal with the zone. Money talks. I think losses will come, and, and maybe somebody, Canelo, with the stacked hand wraps, uh, funnily drops, uh, uh, drops in and stops him. Uh, that or the undefeated father time. Either way, at least he'll be truly compensated for his trouble. By the way, when I said Wilder will be heavyweight, uh, that will be the heavyweight Jamal Charlo is, what I meant was Canelo, Jacobs, Saunders, Andre, they're all on DAZN. Horn and Brandt, they're on ESPN and ESPN+. Plus. Charlo is on Showtime. Who does he end up fighting in the top 10, or where does he fight that's a championship fight? Nobody, unless a deal is cut to loan him to a network, is going to uh, fight him. He says, when Wilder and Charlo are the two reasons why you said two or more years ago that the Showtime and HBO will eventually fade away. These premier uh, guys, the fighters under the premier uh, PBC slash Al Heyman, are being ill-advised. You know what, Sal? I agree with that 100%. I've said it a lot. It just seems, and I said it earlier, it seems like several years ago when the PBC busted onto the scene, a lot of fighters jumped onto that bandwagon because they were making uh, better money. Uh, they were on TV a lot, but that only lasted one year. Now most of the Al Heyman fighters are not even fighting. Their fights are regularly uh, shown on, on Showtime and, uh, and Fox, but the fights themselves are not uh, challenging fights. They're, they're not competitive. And, and on the other two networks, on DAZN and, and ESPN, all of their, their uh, networks, ESPN, ESPN Plus, 2, etc., we've been seeing some great matchups. What's your thoughts? I think it's so true. And, you know, we said it. Uh, the Al Heyman card and the game plan was great. It showcased a lot of good talent and uh, gave them an opportunity to make some money. And now, you know, instead of coming back to the well, they got to reprogram the, the future and see what they could do and throw their hats in other rings. So, you know, I think the model was good for what it was when it was. Uh, and now it's got to evolve. And uh, I think everybody benefited from it. We, we, we saw some great fights. We saw some good fighters. And they have evolved. And they have still uh, – they had the continuity to – to endure and still be in the game and be talked about today to be a viable opponent and in contention for a belt. All right, final question of the day. Who's going to win, Errol Spence Jr. or Mikey Garcia? The fight is uh, 
next week. We will be doing, uh, obviously, we'll be talking about that fight after it's done. Uh, but uh, who do you like in that fight, Sal? I'll tell you, it's a hard one to choose. I love Mikey Garcia for the same reasons you do, but I respect and love Errol Spence because I think he has been the unsung hero of that division for a long time. I think I don't think we've seen the best Errol Spence yet. And what do you do? You get two warriors in the ring, and that's what's going to hopefully map out uh, some history in boxing. I think it's going to be a significant fight for the division. I think each fighter is going to bring to the table everything they have. And uh, uh, to cut to the short answer, I, I'm going to have to say I just feel Errol Spence is going to have uh, have the night in his favor. How? Knockout decision? I think it'll be a good fight. I think Mikey Garcia is going to going to uh, uh, be a gamer throughout the fight. It's going to be close. But I think in the late rounds, you'll start seeing that the ebb and flow uh, will go in, in Spencer's favor. And I don't think I could see anybody giving up or anything here. Um, and I don't think uh, I don't think Mikey Garcia is going to get hurt to the point where the referee is going to stop the fight. But uh, I see I see a split decision going to Errol Spence. Huh, that's interesting. Um, a couple quick quotes: Errol Spence Jr. says, "Size matters, but." Uh, when you get in there at the end of the day it's about skills and intelligence I'm not going to rely on my size I'm going to focus on my talent if I can roll through them then I'll show my killer instinct and try and get them out of there I'm going to use my ability to break them down Mikey Garcia says if people say Errol's bigger that's just obvious but who's faster who has the better timing there's a lot more that goes into this sport than who's uh, a lot a lot goes into the sport, and who's going to win this particular fight? Uh, I wish some of the times these guys would speak clearly, but uh, he says, I just feel like I'm the better fighter. Uh, I have the advantage everywhere except maybe power, but we'll find out on fight night. Uh, a couple of interesting quotes. Um, you know, I think that if Errol Spence wins this fight, it will be by stoppage. I think that Errol Spence has the power to stop Mikey Garcia. Mikey Garcia has hit the canvas several times in his career, um, yeah. and he's never been hit by a welterweight, especially a big welterweight like Errol Spence. Um, but I see, I've said this all along, that Mikey Garcia is a special fighter. He's been flying under the radar. He's proved his critics wrong many times. His brother is his trainer. They, it just seems like they, they do their, their homework. Mikey Garcia doesn't even love boxing. He's just a, a, a guy that follows a game plan and directions to perfection. He knows how to win fights. I think that, you know, he's got the experience here. Um, he wouldn't have taken this fight. I, I find it very hard to believe that Mikey Garcia took this fight only for the money even though he's making more money than he's ever made. I, I think there's more to it. And I, I just, maybe I'm buying into it, but I'm picking Mikey Garcia in a huge upset. And, you know, Sal's talking about a split decision going in, in Spence's way. I think it, it's going to be a, it's going to be a decision win, whether it's a unanimous decision, a split decision, um, or even a split decision draw. 
Um, it, this fight, I do not see Spence winning it. I, I could see uh, Garcia winning by a decision or this fight ending in a draw. But I'm going on on the edge here, and I'm and I'm picking uh, uh, Mikey Garcia in a huge upset next week. So uh, make sure you tune into that, and uh, we will be talking about that here uh, next time. So make sure you tune in next time, same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby. Da na 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 na